Do you want to do sure. this? Welcome to this week's episode of Unfortunately Required Reading, where we have decided to move to Amanda's place to kind of fake-ass quarantine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if y'all have been uh, reading the news, but apparently the world is on fire, which I think is a great time to cover the book The Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, which was funny because we picked this, what, two weeks ago? By yeah, about, about two weeks ago, we decided that we would essentially continue pain month. Uh, so as we watch the disintegration of society, let's talk about a book where a bunch of kids get stranded on an island and also lose society. All right. So we're going to drink this cocktail. Um, as far as just so you know, for our live show, we're kind of holding off on any future announcements. We don't know if MizumiCon is still going to be up and running right now. It still is. As of right now, uh, they're following the city's instructions, which are will reevaluate around the 20th. Mm-hmm. So we will see how things go. Uh, obviously, we're going to tell you what everyone else is telling you. Uh, wash your goddamn hands. Yes, don't uh, be gross. If you're sick, stay inside. Um, otherwise, I mean, it's easy for me to say don't panic, but like literally your panic is helping no one at this stage. Right. And just remember, and this is something that I've had to be reminded a couple times. By Amanda. By Amanda. (laughs) The reason we're staying indoors is to reduce the amount of people who have to be hospitalized. This is to reduce the impact on people who have immunocompromisation. This is to reduce the impact on older people and small children. This isn't that everyone is infected. This is we're trying to keep healthcare providers from having to work 36 hours straight and getting the infection themselves. So, right. Yeah. And and to make this narcissistic, I'm an actual asthmatic. So do it for me. Um, I, mean, I mean, you guys can see the picture. We we got kind of excited because Amanda already had an inhaler that we could put on for piggies. So <laughs> yeah, like I am an actual lifelong asthmatic. So like, do it for me. I would like to not get this. Uh, it doesn't sound very fun. No, it doesn't sound exciting. Um. But also, greetings and welcome to Scenic Amanda's apartment. It's amazing. Like, it's it's kind of like one of your friends said, you're, it's kind of like being in an anime. Yeah, I look like, a, I, I live honestly like an anime protagonist because I live alone and I do whatever the hell I want. So my home thus reflects that, that I live alone and I'm definitely an anime or a comic book protagonist. Yeah, we have uh, currently a... What is it in the background? The my a uh, Hello Kitty. Oh, I have a Hello Kitty toaster that toasts Hello Kitty onto the bread, because of course I do. I have a Hello Kitty pancake maker too. This is all good information. Oh yeah, I have a little pancake maker that makes little like Hello Kitty face pancakes. <laughs> I have a pink waffle iron. So, today, what are we drinking? So, uh, I decided in honor of Golding's, uh, jaunt in the Navy to make a British Navy grog because in the Navy there was a rum ration because water was terrible. And that rum ration went on for like many, many years, like way, way many years. Uh, so I found a recipe for pretty authentic, uh, Navy grog, which is meant to, uh, fight off scurvy. This is just rum in a cup. This is just... There are three different rums in this recipe. There's light, dark, and 151. And mind you, the only thing I use 151 for is lighting shit on fire. Mm-hmm. I don't use 151 for anything that isn't a flambe. I don't drink anything with 151. 
There's just three rums in this cup. I was supposed to garnish with a cherry, but it seemed, one, not manly, and two, not like it would help. Right. Like, this is just a lot of rum with some juice. So, uh, we're drinking out of very expensive iridescent pineapples. They're gorgeous. And we have a side beverage of coconut water and a couple of uh, Hendrix gin teacups that are, I think, quite beautiful. They are beautiful. And there are pictures on the Instagram because, of course, there are. Cheers. More juice helped. Yeah, you can you can pretty much taste the straight rum if you like bypass the juice. Yeah. Uh, so we figured out uh, a lot of the issues that we've been having with cocktails that are too strong. It comes from the evil that is doubling. Uh, at this stage, ignore all recipes. As soon as I saw this cocktail go from orange to brown, <laughs> after I because I put juice in the shaker first as was instructed. And then I added the dark rum, and as soon as it went from, like, yellow-orange to brown, it's like, we're not doing anything else. Yeah, we're done. We're done. That's enough. We'll include the original recipe that Amanda found, but um, we'll also encourage you to make it as strong as you'd like to, but don't hospitalize yourself, please. Right. I think my own personal cocktail philosophy is, is that I rather maximize the other flavors now, if it's, like, a utilitarian I don't want to feel after working, then those are the nights where it's, like, 50% gin and 50% lemonade. Oh, you mean, like, last night where I took a straight shot of whipped cream vodka that I've had in the back of the cabinet for three years? I'm sorry you felt that way, but yes. It was freaking awful. Like, right. I kind of smelled like a Bath & Body Works store afterwards. Like a horrible Bath & Body Did I ever tell you the uh, time that a guy low-key uh, sexually harassed me over Bath & Body Works? No. So one of my favorite scents of Bath and Body Works is called Twisted Peppermint. You probably yeah. smelled me wear it a few yeah. times. Uh, and apparently, with my with my like pheromones and body chemistry, like vanilla really picks up on my skin, which feels kind of racist to say in hindsight. But like apparently, like vanilla really picks up well with my skin chemistry. And this guy, this older dude, like presses up on me and it like takes a long whiff. He's like, "Ooh, girl, you smell like Christmas." That is freaking terrifying it was that's like creepy encounters on reddit it yeah it was and it was just like why do you think that that was charming or helpful sir but yeah so that was my bath and body works not to besmirch bath and body works that's not their fault if anything that's a testament to how good i smelled wearing your product um i also want to point out that in these glasses there are uh tardis and dalek ice cubes there are heart-shaped ice cubes that were in the shaker yes i yeah, I live alone, so I do whatever I want. Um, on the cheese plate, uh, we have a sweet grass-fed red cheddar, which is crystalline and intense. And you can sing that along to Sweet Caroline. Sure. Uh, we have some hand-pulled sourdough, uh, rustic, I guess. I ranted a lot about rustic earlier. I have the recordings for some day, but... Yes, and then we have a Genoa salami because, of course, we have to kill the pig. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this one is kind of fun right now when you're uh, going, okay, well, I'm not going to Target or Walmart or really anything at the moment. I went to Target last night. You did? Okay, Okay. cool. I've been to like five stores. I'm terrified. Like, my husband went to go pick up the groceries today at noon, and I'm like, okay, so what are we going to get? Okay, my husband hates Spam. Hates Spam with the passion of a thousand sons. And he bought four cans of Spam, and I'm like, I thought you weren't panicking. But I'm super excited because I'm going to make that with some onions. 
I'm gonna do some like eggs, maybe some spam masubi. Like, I'm spam masubi ready like for this. Now, when you make spam masubi, do you sear first? Yes. Okay. You're not supposed to, but I do as well. Oh, okay. I'm like, I just like it. I'm not mad at you. How the Hawaiian place I used to eat in Orange County did it. Yeah, when I had it in Hawaii, they didn't sear, but I'm I I don't like spam very much. Uh, but I mean, I'm not panicked yet. To be determined. And I mean, like we said at the top of the show, wash your damn hands. Yeah, just, like, honestly, just wash your hands. Like, this, this feels so common sense and silly to me. Because, like, I just don't remember, because, I mean, like, we're, we're old. We're old. We've survived how many pandemics now? Swine flu, bird flu. Swine flu, flu bird, avian flu, SARS. SARS. We didn't really have MERS in our country, which is the Middle Eastern Respir- Respiratory Syndrome. I don't know why, but that line read just like MERS. It's like a Merca. A little Merca. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why, but that line read cracked me up a little bit. Uh but like I just I don't remember having this level of panic during any of those times. And no, I feel it, like part of it's it's an election year. Part of it is we're actually trying to prevent some stuff from happening. And we have but... a racist demagogue in the White House. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The podcast is canceled. Yeah, yeah, we're probably going to go undergo martial law and the podcast will be canceled. Um, oh, I was talking with a friend. Have you seen the uh, Stay Inside robots in China? No. So in China, where they're under more intense oh, lockdown, how dare you? How dare you eat cheese in my home that I cut for you? Um, they have these like... Your great knife cuts? You know, my, eh, they're fine. Uh, they have these robots that are like screaming at people, stay inside. Uh, because they're supposed to. And I was talking to a friend, and it's like, that could not work in America. That could not work in... Could you imagine having, like, a Wally robot outside telling you to stay inside? That thing would get shot so fast. So here's the thing. Half of our population would be like, it sings happy birthday to itself because it's alone. I was that person. And the other half would be like, I'm gonna shoot this damn thing. Right, so I was that person who actually signed the petition to be a bunch of human beings that recorded a happy birthday so we could sing it to the robot because I felt bad that the robot sang happy birthday to itself. We're not talking about this book. We're running from things. My favorite was, uh, do you you remember Jade Rabbit, the lander that China sent? Yeah. So it like live tweeted itself dying. It's like, I hope I did my best. Are you all proud of me? And it's just like, baby, no. I can think of a lot of human beings that are going to do that too. Same. Like, <laughs> I, I am that person. Oh my God. Like when Filet passed away, the little comet lander. I cried over that air conditioning unit on a comet. Like, it was like, I hope I did everything okay, guys. It's getting dark. And it's like, my baby. <laughs> I'm going to make a special place in heaven for robots. There, I really feel like, I really feel like we need to acknowledge the fact that, like, by giving these creatures sentience, there's a bunch of anxious people like me who can't emotionally deal with that. Oh, don't! I read this book called Laika's Window. Don't, don't read that. It's about like the Soviet space dog that didn't come back. I know about. I know. I, I'm, I'm aware. I love, I love Laika. Everyone loves Laika. Belka and I can't think of the one that starts with S. Um, are both stuffed. And in the um, Cosmonaut Museum. Okay. Which I really want to go to. I have problems. I'm we, we can't leave San Antonio. No. When are we, when are we going dreaming. to? I'm dreaming. 
someday when I get to leave, I'm eating this bread. Okay. I'm glad. Okay. So, All right. Should we get into short story long? Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about everything else that isn't this book to uh, escape from the pain. Now that everybody's like logged off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the exact plan. Now we get to drink rum in peace. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. We love all of our listeners. If you disagree with us, do so lovingly in comments. Short story long. In the middle of what seems like World War II, a plane evacuating boys from Britain is shot down over a tropical island. Yes. Two boys, Ralph and Piggy, discover a conch shell and get it out of the water. I want to point out, too, that Piggy has spent the first five minutes of this book asking not to be called Piggy, but Ralph's a dick. Anyway. (laughs) Piggy realizes that the conch shell can be used to call others on the island. They manage to assemble all the survivors and elect Ralph as their leader. Jack, the other boy who wanted to be leader, is appointed to be in charge of food and hunting. Good job, Jack. Ralph, Jack, and Simon go to explore the island. Ralph thinks that they should create a signal fire to alert passing ships. Great job. Mm -hmm. They ignite some wood with Piggy's glasses, but they're too busy playing and the fire burns all over the forest. Whoops. One of the youngest boys in the group disappears and is assumed to have burned to death. That was quick. That was quick. The boys are delighted to be able to play games and live in life in a world without grown-ups telling them what to do. However, Ralph keeps telling them they need to keep up the signal fire and build shelters. The hunters at first fail to catch a wild pig. Jack becomes obsessed with hunting. Ralph and Piggy see a ship going by, but it doesn't stop, and they realize it's because the signal fire has gone out, a task Jack's team was supposed to be keeping up. I retract my uh, praise of Jack. It's just kind of like being in a, a regular office. Anyway. Oh, God. Um, dun, 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 dun. However, Jack has called all the boys on his team to attack a pig. Ralph shows Jack how frustrated he is, but Jack and the rest of the boys are pretty much in bloodlust from their first kill. Yes. Piggy criticized Jack for not being responsible, and he lets and Jack hits Piggy in the face and breaks his one of the lenses of his glasses. Ralph blows the conch and calls for order. The smallest boys, the little ones, claim they're having nightmares because of a monster creeping around the island. Oh no. Ralph and Piggy try to convince them to think rationally and that there's no place for a monster to hide in the daytime. That's not true, but okay. They are insistent that it is real. One night, while the boys are sleeping, military planes fly about the island in a battle, asleep the boys don't see an explosion, or when the pilot drifts down onto the signal fire and dies. Oh god. The twins responsible for watching the fire had fallen asleep, and when they wake up, they see only the giant silhouette of the parachute and hear the weird noises it's making. They think it's the beast and flee back to camp to tell everyone the beast has come after them. Uh. Jack and Ralph form a party to search for the beast. The two are now at odds. They both see the silhouettes of the parachute and think it's a giant ape creature. Hey, Bigfoot. Hey there, Bigfoot. Back at camp, Jack calls Ralph out and claims he ran away and that Jack should be the leader instead. Okay. This feels really familiar. Anyway, the rest of the boys refuse to call Ralph out of office. Jack storms off and takes the hunters with him. Ralph gets the remaining boys to make a new signal fire on the beach, but before the task is completed, many of the boys have snuck off and joined Jack. An insurrection. Jack declares himself the new leader and organizes a super violent hunt and they violently kill a pig and place her head on a sharpened stick in the jungle as an offering to the beast to leave them alone. Yes. Simon later comes across the head and has a vision that is speaking to him. It is the Lord of the Flies, which if you look in mythology and stuff, that's Beelzebub. Yes. It says Simon will never escape him because he is inside all men. Simon faints. When he wakes up, he sees the dead parachutist. He travels down the beach to tell others what he's seen. The others are having a crazy party eating the pig that they've killed. When they see Simon's shadow in the jungle, they kill him with their bare hands, thinking he's a beast. Oh, God. Ralph and Piggy discuss 
what they've done. It's murder. Mm -hmm. Jack's boys jump them and steal Piggy's glasses. Ralph's group tries to make Jack see reason that Jack has a set of twins tied up and fights Ralph. In the fight, a boulder is rolled down the hill and kills Piggy and crushes the conch shell. Ralph barely makes it out. Mm -hmm. Ralph goes to hide out for the night. He has to run because the boys are burning down all of his possible hiding places. He discovers the sow's head and destroys it. Mm -hmm. A British naval officer finds him on the beach. The officer asks Ralph to explain what happened with all the wild children as they come out of the woods. Jack, Ralph, and the boys break down and cry. And Jack wept for innocence lost. Which is my sister and my favorite line. Can I just... So, so John... This is great. I'm glad. So John Green brings this up. How long are they on this island? It's like a day and a half, right? I think it's a little bit longer than that, Because but... it feels like it's like a day and a half. And just, like, everything went to shit immediately. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know if you remember the show Lost. I do. I feel Against like... my will. I feel like at least Lost, it took them a while to descend into madness. Like, it wasn't a while, like, on film for us, but, like, it was a while for them to descend into, like, ripping off shirts and stuff like that. It actually just reminds me of a very, very bad episode of Survivor. Yeah. A show that existed. What I love is uh, William Golding read the version himself that I listened to. And he started off with, people always ask me why it was all boys. And he said, because girls wouldn't have descended into this madness. I don't think I necessarily agree with that. I don't think some, well, this is going to sound sexist. I don't think some girls would have descended into madness. Yeah, I think some girls would have been fine. A really great book to read is The Grace Year that just came out recently, like in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's what happens when girls are left alone and the mean girl ends up taking charge. Mean society? Um, yeah, pretty much. It's awesome. It's a really well-written book. But anyway, Golding said he also didn't want boys and girls on the island because then there would be sex and he didn't want to go into that. Are these, I mean, I don't know about. So it's a variety of ages. Okay. Yeah, it was like anywhere from like five to, that's why there's the little ones and the big yeah. ones. So there's some that are like teenagers, or oh, almost okay. teenagers. Okay. Like Jack is more on the older end of the spectrum. Okay. Cool. So. Excellent. Uh, this was terrible. So I will admit, I don't hate this as much as when I read it in high school. I respect your wrong opinion. Do you remember the show Kid Nation? No. Okay, so Kid Nation was a show that existed in the 2000s, and it was basically this. It was, let's get a bunch of children to live like on an abandoned like dude ranch, and they get to make their own government, and they get to make their own rules. There's no adults. I feel like the max age is like 14 or something like that. This was a real reality TV show that existed in America. What is wrong with us? A lot. Okay. Uh... So, if you ever want to, like, see this in action, because, like, if you're like me, where you're an asthmatic intellectual who had parents that loved them, like, this is kind of hard to wrap your head around. Watch Kid Nation. You can probably find an illegal copy of it somewhere. Because it was, YouTube. that show got canceled so, like, quick, but also it went on for a shockingly long time. There's also that show that came out a few years ago. Oh my gosh, it's probably like 10 years now. Why? You gotta say, a few years ago for us is like 1990-something. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was called Jeremiah. I want to say it was on one of like the HBO kind of cable networks. Mm -hmm. And it was about a disease that attacked only people over a certain age. Oh god. And so it was all these teenagers that had grown up, and teenagers and children, mm -hmm. that had to raise themselves. Oh. It was insane. It was like... They were trying to get to know Rad so that they could figure out, like, 
what happened and there was this nurse there who was like the only person who had survived the the thing that was over a certain age it was really weird so like the walking dead but less bad yeah i i mean i basically re- i told my coworkers that in the walking dead i don't want to be but i'd be the blonde chick that loses her shit at the uh, cdc center in the first season probably like we yeah. say that as we're in front of my uh lucille that i built mm-hmm and for those of you who don't watch Walking Dead, Lucille is the bat that is run by Negan? Negan? Negan. There you go. It's like the love of my life plays that character, but I can't accept that he's a... Uh, he's a... Uh, is he a bad evil. person? Yeah. Oh, but he's not a bad person in real life. Oh, okay. In I real was like... life, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Okay, I was about to say, like, oh, shit. No, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, in case anyone's asking. He's also a total gentleman. He's kissed my friend's hand before. Just really great guy. Told her she had a beautiful family. Like can't help but love him he has a great wife i think now he adopted this dog like he's he's good people guys i'm sorry i'm gonna it's not gary oldman i'll take it yeah i was gonna say sorry sorry but it's not gary oldman so we're okay uh yeah i cosplayed as negan a few years ago and i have my lucille in my uh, dining area because of course i do (laughs) uh so do you want to you want to do some theming do some theming this is something that we're seeing right now in <laughs> the dangerous power of fear. So I think I think us as two biologic biological females who have anxiety and mental illnesses and physical illnesses, um, we have both responded differently to this pandemic. I can't imagine how I would respond to being well, I mean, let's be honest, I would be killed upon impact. Like I would not survive the crash. Oh, for the island? Yeah. Well, like, let's say I did, and we did. Uh, I I don't know how I would react to it, because that's always my favorite thing about, like, ghost shows, because, of course, I'm going to make this paranormal somehow, is when people are like, oh, well, I would just leave. I would just whatever. Like, you never know how you're going to react when you're scared. You You just don't. Like, it's easy for us to say, I would punch Bigfoot in the neck. I would not punch Bigfoot. I would also neck. not punch Bigfoot in the neck. I do not advocate punching Bigfoot in the neck. <laughs> I know that that's a controversial stance, as I just called the president racist. That might be the hottest take I've had, is I don't advocate violence against Bigfoot. <laughs> that's the stance I'm willing to like. I feel like that's the title of the episode now. <laughs> don't punch Bigfoot in the neck. <laughs> don't punch Bigfoot in the neck, Lord of the Flies. Pretty much. We're seeing this right now um, in San Antonio pretty prevalently. A lot of our stores have been emptied of basic supplies that would make sense for something like, you know, a hurricane or in California, an earthquake, like being prepared and having this stuff. But what's happening is it's all happening at once. People Mm -hmm. are rushing to the store, taking things that they don't need. Mm -hmm. People who live paycheck to paycheck are screwed. Mm -hmm. Um, I can say that as someone who lives paycheck to paycheck. there are older people who have a hard time getting to the grocery store who are, are struggling. They're screwed. Um, and it's something that doesn't need to happen. No, it's completely unnecessary. But also fear is a very, very powerful motivator. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible motivator. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, believes in the uh, biological imperative when it comes to anxiety. Which, do I need to explain, like, evolutionary biology and stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so as, as much as we can in a short period of time. Do we have a short period of time? Are you no, not? We have as much time as we want. Okay, are, are you not enjoying trying your stay? To, trying to explain a biological okay. imperative in full might require there. a master's degree. And... Like, are you not enjoying your stay in my home? Oh, no, I'm eating all your bread right now. <laughs> There's more bread in the fridge, which is where I keep it. It's good. 
Um, smart. So here's my theory on evolutionary biology and fear. I, as someone who's had anxiety all of my life, frankly, I believe that there is a reason why we have it. And that is to teach us a lesson. It is the fearless who die first. So like, think about the first like Australopithecus, like the first like human-ish ancestor. You're basically a chimpanzee who can walk. You are in a savanna. There are giant goddamn lions everywhere. There are eagles who take your children. You are alone in a world that everything is trying to kill you. The fearless die. The ones who were scared live and they learn the lesson. Anxiety is remembering that pain can and everything can kill you. So I kind of, I like fear as a feeling because it reminds me that I'm mortal, that I'm human, that I'm fragile, and that if I'm hasty or I make the wrong decision, that could kill me or have very real consequences. Like I might be a little yellow in some places. <laughs> like I've definitely like done some risky things that I won't get into on this podcast. But in other places, I'm a lot more shrewd because I am aware of consequences. So it's easy for us to say and to condemn these children who are on a weird murder LARP, which is what it is. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, that is is dangerous, but also at the same time, I don't know if I would react any better. Even now at almost 30, I don't know. If... <laughs> Have I told you the reason why I refuse to do an escape room? No, but is it because you have to work with other people who aren't? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's also that I'm afraid that it's going to. Okay. So my friends give me a hard time when it comes to video games because I'm usually like the chill one where it's like, oh, you did a good job. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, great on that combo or whatever. And it's like, that's not true. That is not the true me. I am the most competitive and anal retentive person that you will ever meet. This is all true. This is very true. I am incredibly anal retentive and remarkably competitive, but I suppress that part of me because I know it's unbecoming and it's terrifying. You have seen goal-driven Amanda. Can I just say that I'm, okay, so Amanda and I are both in the uh, Miss Plus Size San Antonio pageant. We are. As, as long as it keeps going on. I am so thankful that Amanda's in a different category than me because I'm older. Like, so excited because I was like, Amanda's going to come out there and she's going to play to win. When, like when Amanda goes full femme, you guys, oh my god, yeah, gonna kick some ass. But like, I am such a competitive person that it scares me. So I like actively suppress that part of me because I know it's terrifying. Like, there is no doubt of my house placement. I am very much a Slytherin, and it is obvious I played Quidditch. Like, I am a monster. So I don't know how I would react. I mean, outside of dying immediately. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, I would be like, hey, guys, we should probably build the shelter. Oh, you're holding a knife to my throat. Okay. Um, or be, what did, I think her name was Angela. I don't remember. It's mm -hmm. been a long time. I'm walking dead and be like, I can't do this. I'm going to, like, step in front of a bomb. Thanks, though. <gasps> like, I feel like you would align yourself with me quickly. Probably. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, Amanda, I need you to tell me what to do right now. I also feel like uh, one of my friends said this about me. I think it's one of the most telling situations and statements about me is um, I'm glad that you're my friend because I cannot imagine being your enemy. So 
There's also a something another theme that's really big in this book. Yes. And this is something we're seeing a lot of right now. Misinformation. Power of misinformation. Hashtag fake news. Um, Jack constantly says things that Ralph said, and he never did, mm-hmm. and misrepresents his actions, which he never did, which we see in pretty much regular press conferences right now. Yeah. Um, as mentioned, the aforementioned fake news. Um, that is actually really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. especially during like a time right now where it's very very sensitive and it's important to be informed not having the information is it, it could be the difference between life and death because again like with this current pandemic you see a lot of people who are more able-bodied who are really taking resources away from people who aren't and that's deadly like i understand that this is a big deal for everyone but unless you're in one of those like super super high risk categories, ninety percent of people, especially in America, can calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. But that's stemming from misinformation and not trusting expertise, which is really something that I hate about uh, the modern state of the world is can, not trusting experts. Can I talk about how it was really hard for me to keep my mouth shut yesterday while we watched the press conference from the president? You didn't want to be a well, actually. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to be a well, actually. Um, and that we didn't really hear from doctors and professionals and folks who are part of the um, you know, infectious disease groupings and things like that who have been preparing for this for two months. We heard from the CEOs of Target and Walmart. But we're also going to hear from Mike Pence, who handled infectious disease terribly. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what about the uh, HIV outbreak in uh, Indiana? We're that was gonna... why everybody was terrified? What? We've lost so many listeners. I'm sorry. I'm not. Actually, what I'm thinking is we probably have the same listeners because they know that this is how we feel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, From the beginning. So that's misinformation and it's dangerous. And you can see, especially in these, like, because they essentially become like a weird cult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that this is one of those uh, tactics that people in these, like, closed scenarios will use to discredit others. You also see it, like, in a lot of uh, political intrigue with, like, coup d'etats and stuff like that. Um. I mean, it's tragic. I mean, I'm game recognize game. These children are not dumb. No, they're not. These children are not dumb, and I would happily welcome most of them into Slytherin because I feel like that's where most of these children belong, except for Piggy. Hmm. He's probably a Hufflepuff. He's a Hufflepuff. He's a sweet baby. He was murdered by a bunch of Slytherins. <laughs> not surprised. Which, well, okay. which is just anyway. Which is just accurate. <laughs> So one of the lines in this book is because the rules are the only things we've got, which is talking about the theme of laws. Yes. And once law completely breaks down, that's more when people start getting murdered. So do we get to talk about a Thomas Hobbes and a Jacques Rousseau? Go ahead. So I will be here completely lit on grog eating sourdough bread. So uh, those were two philosophers and they had differing opinions on uh, what life was like in the state of nature so like before civilization air quotes and john green makes a big deal out of this and i do too what one society considers civilized and what another society considers civilized are very different and we're going to talk about that more but i'm just going to upfront say that this is going to use some language that i personally think is not okay so rousseau was very much like in the state of nature everything was fine and chill and like people just like braided each other's hair and like were savages but they didn't care think of like those like sexy pocahontas paintings you know exactly what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about like don't laugh you know exactly what i'm talking about those like sexy like pocahontas paintings where it's just like tan women naked running around 
instead of singing the Deadpool sexy motherfucker, it's sexy Pocahontas. That's right. like, but um, or uh, Hobbes who believed that the life of the savage, savage air quotes, was a short, brutish, and painful. Uh, so he believed that before, like civilization and social order, that everything was terrible and that we've benefited from laws and that the savage didn't and could not know better uh that also fed into a lot of like uh racism when it came to african slavery was like oh well look at these savages in their mud huts we need to teach them the religions and give them pants and stuff uh because that will fix them which is interesting because these groups had well-established systems of law and order and culture and mythology right it just didn't look white yeah it didn't look white it just didn't look white so it it wasn't civilization to them uh, so you have these two differing opinions. You can see which one Golding picks, which is Hobbes, where he says that everything was terrible. Um, personally, and this is a debate that I feel like is simultaneously appropriate and not appropriate for this episode, uh, I always love this whole idea of, like, do you need, like, the Bible to raise children? Like, must you raise your children Christian? Because I was raised Catholic, and whenever my aunts talk about it, it was because, like, oh, well, you know, morals. Like, but do you think that I, do you think that I needed the Bible to know not to murder? Like, do you think that I needed this book that shamed every other part of my life to know that I should not go outside and stab someone? And I'm Lutheran, but I gotta tell you, some of my friends that are the most well-behaved, the best to other people, are atheists and agnostics. Right, like, I don't think that... I um I mean I say that as we're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone's acting terribly. Um but in a more normalized society, I do feel like some of these laws are kind of innate to humans. I do think that for the most part most people know that. And the people that don't wouldn't care that it's illegal anyways. Fair. So like the mentally ill and the sociopaths and stuff, they wouldn't care either way that there's a law. I think my favorite part of this book is actually the end where the British Navy officer is like, you guys are British children. How did you screw up so badly? Because they're children. He's like, how many of you died? And they're like, two. And he's like, what? Like, I meant that as a joke, but okay. But also, like, in that in that line, uh, there's even mention, like, we're British and we're the best. And it's like, do you think that that helps? Oh, and they start crying and the officer turns around so they won't be embarrassed. God damn, England. How are y'all doing, England? Y'all okay? Um, I have a couple of friends in England. Um, I believe the exact text of the email was, we're doing the best we can in a lack of information, but thank you for thinking of us. You stay well as well. I feel like I have never related more to England than now. Uh, just know that you have our solidarity and our sincere thoughts and prayers as we drink coconut water out of Hendrix Gin teacups. Absolutely. Cheers to England. But fuck you, Goulding. He's dead, isn't he? Yeah. He's okay. Been dead for a hot minute. Oh, coconut water's terrible. It is pretty bad. Ah. Is this what these boys had to survive on? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, there's no food on islands. Fuck that. Well, that and they had water in the cups that they made from coconut shells that they were supposed to continually be. Don't we have symbols? Yeah, we do. I was just like, oh, I was like, because <laughs> I was like, I don't think I have very much on on uh, Golding, and I don't. I do have <laughs> some on Golding. Okay, Amanda's here to save the podcast as I drink uh, mostly rum out of a cup. 
Okay, I gotta say it's really good though. Like it's I'm glad that I added more I juice. Like, yeah, the juice really. Could you imagine if I didn't add like half more juice? No, I would just sound like um, a Russian drunk before Gorbachev. That's what I would sound like. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so let's talk about civilized versus savage, which you can see excellently in the movie Pocahontas. Think I'm an ignorant savage. I was mostly in just so many places. I guess it must be so. I was anyway. mostly just thinking the song "Savages," <laughs> which a lot of people love and hate because it like double times the whole racism thing. We um we rewrote it as a family to be sandwiches. Sandwiches barely even tuna. Um, it was a problem. Can I disown you now? Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, but I'm still in your house. You are still in my <laughs> house. Um, there's also the perfect line to describe most of history these white men are dangerous exactly <laughs> which only i can say yeah that's why i looked at you like <laughs> come on amanda you know these you white know men are dangerous is. um as mentioned a lot of that is informed by race so like we mentioned uh, africa as far as slavery goes which is a definitely a dot on your bingo card if you're playing at home um africa did have civilization it didn't look like cities or what Europeans would consider civilization, but they absolutely did have civilization. And because of that, it was an excuse, frankly, to take them and not treat them like human beings. Fun fact, there is a video series, and shout out to my friend Amber. There is a video series called Ask a Slave, which is a woman who was a dramatic green actor at Mount Vernon. So she like continues her character as one of the slaves at Mount Vernon. And she answers questions from the internet. And oh my god. I have... It is one of the best things on the internet right now. And you will hate humanity. I have instantly hated humanity. But it is also phenomenal. Um, so ask a slave. It is very, very funny. But also will make you hate everyone. I gotta put that on the uh, list of resources. Yes. Uh, but... Basically, what most people would consider, at least at this time, civilized is the West. And anything that isn't civilized is not the West. And even then, like, and John Green mentions this, shout out to John Green who kept me sane during this time, what is the West? Because we typically don't include Russia in the West. What is Europe? What is... To be fair, Russia is Europe, but with an Asian soul. Russia is Russia. Russia is Russia. I got, I don't mean to be that person. No, but you're hundred like... percent. It's very, very different. Um, during the reign of Catherine the Great and uh, and some previous um, incarnations as well, a lot was taken from Europe, but at the same time, it didn't fall into Russia the same way that it would have in different areas. Right. It's very different. Um, beliefs, structures, religion, all different. Yeah. That's why you can have Greek Orthodox and Russian Orthodox and have them be very similar, but also very different. Cackles and Roman Catholic. Cackles and Roman Catholic, yes. Leave my incense. Giggles and Lutheran. like. Leave my incense and paintings alone. Speaking of, we're underneath the painting of an owl, which I learned has a friend. I'm so excited about that. Uh, Tori and I are both in a group that's a weird secondhand find, and I discovered that the painting that Tori gave me for Christmas has a friend, and I'm very excited about it. I am too. So yours, I've, I've been titled Don't Ever Talk to Me or My Son Again. Because that's what it is. But now I think there's ones, Please Don't Ever Talk to Me and My Daughter Again. Yeah, there's there's variations. I'm quite happy. This is the start of Female Fight Club. I mean, there's a lot. This is the start of Female Fight Club. 
I, uh, they do have pretty claws, just like me, just like us before we pageants, if there is still a pageant. Yes. Um, so here's the thing about calling a civilization savage. Don't. Just don't. Like, and even primitive still feels weird. They're just a group of people. So, like, you see that with some of, like, people who still live in the Amazon. Some of the traditional people who still live in the Amazon. Where, like, there's this interesting mix of, like, newer cultural artifacts and older. So, like, my, I used favorite loosely, but, um, like, watching more modern documentaries about, like, people in, like, the Amazon, like, First Nations people in the Amazon, and they're wearing, like, Nike t-shirts, but, like, they're still, like, every other part of their lives is traditional. But, like, they got the t-shirts from, like, missionaries and stuff. Or the group where, um, I think it's outside of Papua New Guinea, where that gentleman got, well, I'm not, hard to call him gentleman, where the missionary was murdered. Oh, he's so Because they're like, don't come near this island, we will murder you. And he's like, right. but, but I'm coming to tell you, no, 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 we will murder you. But we murdered you. We kept our, our message. Right, and everyone's upset. Like, but they murdered him. Like, they said, like, they said five times we're going to murder you if you come closer. And he came closer. All right, so we have symbols. You do have some symbols. The conch shell is like the big one. It is. It is the symbol of power. It is the symbol of who is right and who is dead. Um, when it is crushed, that's when we suddenly know that the society is over. Also, don't try to bring those on a plane back after 9-11. No, don't do that. Did I ever tell you that story? No. So I went on a cruise and like... 2002 i think and we got a conch shell in the bahamas because of course we did uh which is also another great picture of me because my family and i come back like four shades darker like we are different shades of black people at the end of this trip so we have this conch shell that we got from the bahamas and it is wrapped up in like newspaper and plastic to keep it safe of course my family lets me carry it tsa so here's this huge round thing in plastic that doesn't x-ray well. Oh, no. Going through TSA. And it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's like, that's a conch shell. My Aunt Sandy, I think, still has it. I think I think my auntie still has it. I'll have to ask. Um, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the rallying thing. Uh, it's been used as shorthand in a lot of other pieces of media. Mm-hmm. Hence, There's that awesome episode of The Simpsons. Yes, there is. Uh, hence why I used it as a gift with Ron Burgundy. <laughs> News team assemble! If you if we have any like health conscious listeners uh, listening, what is the appeal of coconut water? I think it's supposed to be electrolytes. But that's it, what Powerade is for. But it kind of tastes <laughs> like it needs rum. Did you just hear the fat American leave me? That's what Powerade. <laughs> got electrolytes and stuff what isn't that what gatorade's for <laughs> well because i remember drinking gatorade after tennis because i used to play tennis my mom was the favorite tem- tennis mom because she brought that that was back when mcdonald's did like the 35 cent hamburgers and yeah. cheeseburgers and stuff so she brought everyone on the team ago. a cheeseburger yeah a thousand years ago and gatorade and our <laughs> coach was like that's not what i meant about being team mom for this week and my mom was like Whatever, the kids are happy. Do you know what my uh, post-tennis drink usually was? Hmm. So it was either a Glacier Ice Gatorade, which is my favorite, the Glacier Cherry Ice, like to this day is my favorite, or a chocolate Yoo-Hoo. Have you ever had Yoo-Hoo? Oh, yeah. I love Yoo-Hoo. That was like the special treat that you were like, ooh, I got a Yoo-Hoo. 
So fun fact, Yoohoo is like Nesquik chocolate milk, but with water, I guess. Like it's weirdly watered down. But um, my friend Carlos, he used to work at a gas station. And whenever I was in town, like his gas station had Yoohoo. So whenever I was in town for a convention, he'd bring like a six pack of Yoohoo. And like that was like my drink for con. Aww. Um, we're not talking about the conch shell. But yeah, it's like a big symbol. Uh, do you want to talk about the head of a pig? As we eat this beautiful yeah. Genoa salami. Yes, the salami. Because, you know, kill the pig. Like, Gendered female. Yeah, which and... I think is fascinating. Yeah, there's I, a weird, I there's a weird sex thing with that. I think that that was an accident. The uh, mm-hmm. the pig that they murder is a sow. Mm-hmm. I believe she has piglets at the time. Which are delicious. Aww. Sorry. We're eating salami right now. I can't talk crap. Right. Um, The pig's head is used as a sacrifice to try and keep the beast from coming after them and it's this very savage but image. also sexual very sexual as well um there's a yeah um, I mean, but it is very sexual because like they they gender not just because it's a sow but like at that point it's an animal you don't have to go out of your way to say slit her throat like there's an image with that and it's not a pig yeah and it's it at this point it's not even about the hunting no because it's a rape metaphor it's kill the beast cool slit her throat well okay what bash her in okay you guys already slashed the throat calm down right like now she's an episode of law and order svu like you guys need to calm down like it's very sexualized violence and it makes me uncomfortable to this day and this whole passage is intended to make you uncomfortable i i know but like but also like i feel like you're too young for that and that's i think that was another thing that golden was trying to portray is we think that you know Folks are too young for this, but they've seen this yeah. on a daily basis. They've seen I this mean, in, even with this stiff upper lip British thing of like, this is how we're talking about the um, the people of Germany. This is how we're talking about people in Japan. This is how we're talking about our enemies. I guess. What horrible British pornography are these boys finding? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if you were to read my fan fiction at 12, I mean, same. So, okay, fair. The pilot's body, I think, is my favorite one because I completely missed this when I was in high school. And my teacher was like, how did you miss this whole part? I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was a beast. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, Is this pilot's body is there and it's terrifying. I mean, it's not just because it's a human body that's deceased. It's the fact that there is this big parachute around it nobody wants to get close to it you just hear these creepy noises in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. your mind runs away with you and you start going okay it is a beast it has to be a beast when it's a completely rational explanation that if you'd taken any time or interest in finding out you'd be fine um one of the things i really like about the um traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult yes is their thing is curiosity over fear and it's very much let's figure out why this thing is the way it is versus this thing is possessed by the devil. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think both of us being two uh, supernaturally minded people, it's actually funny how slowly we go to ghosts in that scenario, how slowly we go. That's always my thing with like cryptozoology and stuff is like everyone gives cryptozoologists a hard time where it's like, oh, well, every bump in the night is Bigfoot. That's not true for most cryptozoologists. Most right. cryptozoologists are so aware that like eight Bigfoot sightings out of 10 are a bear. Mm-hmm. Most of them know that. But the two that aren't a bear are worth studying. And also the whole um, 
Monstrum has a really good episode on the Yeti. Monstrum is so good. I'm so glad that I, I'm so glad that y'all like Monstrum. Okay, so Amanda got me into Monstrum, which is amazing. It's a professor who does things about um, creatures and things that we're afraid of, cryptozoology. So she has the Wendigo, she's got um, the Leshy from Russia. My kids started watching it with me and I was so excited because I'm like, sit down. We're going to talk about monsters. Yeah. And, and the, I try not to use her name on the show, but um, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's a great kid, and she wants to learn. My she honorary wants to niece. Know. Your honorary niece. Um, we have moments where she goes, I would like to watch this thing on this plane crash in Malaysia. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you what facts of this are completely wrong, and I'm going to walk you through what speculation is, mm-hmm. but... The fact that she wants to see something more clearly is amazing. Do you want to borrow my do. book that got me into the paranormal and cryptozoology for the little one? I mean, I'm totally down. She's okay. home right now and school's out all next week. Okay, I will lend you the book that I got from my great-grandfather. Oh, I don't want to put anything dangerous. Okay, I'll find another one. I, I, can, oh, I can grab her a copy because we'll share the title. Oh, no. How will I ever find another book on cryptozoology in the three shelves I have in my house? <laughs> whatever shall i do um but yeah like that was a weird passage for me as far as like the pilot's body because yeah like it does seem like you just take a stick and like you know jimmy it and see what's what's going on (laughs) oh that's part of a skull i think that's the rum talking where you just take a stick and you just wang jangle it (laughs) there's so much rum in this i'm just saying it's you can tell it's rum because you just said wang jangle I did say Wang Jangle. Do you do you watch You Suck at Cooking? Mm-mm. Oh my god, it's one of the best cooking shows on the internet. He says Wang Jangle a lot. So I would have honestly said Wang Jangle without rum. The rum just made me giggly. So another symbol is when Simon is having his seizure, looking at the pilot. It is a seizure. It yeah. is a seizure. Likely epileptic. Um, Are all of these kids sick? No, but a lot of them do have issues so they're yeah so the answer is yes (laughs) i mean for crying out loud they just put a bunch of british boys on a plane and we're like bye like i just like my question was are all of these boys sick to which you responded they have issues so the answer is yes (laughs) they are sick so i love the fact that when simon is having a seizure the lord of the flies is speaking to him Mm -hmm. and is saying that everyone is truly evil internally yes and that feels like such a church thing it also feels like someone who was once a teacher and hates children which is what golden was <laughs> did you not i'm gonna let you be in charge of that part okay i'm i i am the lord of the flies now um <clears throat> we also have um the symbol of <laughs> you were the lord of the flies now the biggins versus the little ones the biggins are the ones that are the first two Let's start breaking it down. But also, like, weren't they led by a choir boy? Yes, which is amazing. Like, the choir is the one that first went crazy. Like, can you imagine that? Yes. Theater kids being the ones that take down society. Did you not know that I was in theater? Oh, yeah, I was too. Okay. I'm like, that 100% sounds accurate. Okay, you went to public school? I did go to public school. Okay, so I went to private school. I went to public school in California. I'm so sorry. So, I went to private school. And private school... So I think y'all have UIL, right? I have no idea what that means. Okay, so UIL is something. I don't. 
I think it's UIL. It's like one of those like high school dumb competition things that like soft artsy people do. We had PSIA, which is Private School Interscholastic Association. PSIA was the like Mensa Olympics for children who are in prissy schools and their parents pay too much money. I still have every PSIA ribbon I've ever won. I I have kept them. Do you think this may be where your competitive spirit comes from? You shut your whore mouth. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> uh so the fact that like choir kids are the ones that fuck shit up, yes. I can see it. Like when we were practicing for one act PSIA in eighth grade, I can see it. Because we my school had a rivalry. We had a couple of rivalries. So I went to Holy Rosary. And our rivals were Oak Ridge and St. Maria Goretti. And, like, we had to be better than Oak Ridge. Like, we knew we could be better than St. Maria Goretti. That's fine. Just imagine the St. Maria thing with, like, chains wrapped around the hands. Like, we're going to go part. I don't know. Anyway, St. Maria Goretti has a beautiful Pieta outside. Like, they have one of the most beautiful Pietas, like, I think in the city of Texas. Just outside of their church for no real reason at all back home. If you ever want to see, like, cool uh, Catholic architecture, my hometown is where you do it because we have a shocking amount of Catholics. Like, a, I think, like, almost every every other Catholic that isn't in San Antonio lives in my hometown <laughs> in Dallas-Fort Worth. So if you want to see some cool Catholic architecture, North Texas is where to go. Um, so the Lord of the Flies, uh, I mean, you have your temptation your tempter, but also, as we mentioned with Paradise Lost, like, because realistically, you're not supposed to interchange Beelzebub and Lucifer. You're not supposed to, but everyone does. Um, I was like, I think they're separate, but that's also because of Good Omens, so. Well, <laughs> but also, like, we're not <clears throat> dumb, and we know that, but, like, most people conflate the two because pop culture does it all the time. Uh, but if we're treating this as culture would, which is synonymous for Lucifer, um, then in that instance, we have someone who, in theory, has some weird clarity in this situation and is your tempter, is your, you know, snake in the Garden of Eden, I guess. But it's weird that it's coming from Simon, who, from the most part, wasn't really into all of this shit, which leads again to the whole, this isn't everyone. Also, if we want to go super biblical, he's the one that is murdered by the others for coming forth and trying to tell the truth. And his name is Simon, which is not subtle. No, no, it's not. Not subtle reference is not subtle. So one of the things we talked about in my freshman English class, and Freud has kind of fallen out of fashion, um, but it was the id, ego, and superego. Yeah, we've talked about the tripart psyche uh, in, I think, a few episodes, actually. Um, So we talk about a little bit about that. Personally, I think the Venture Brothers do it better than anybody, but that's just me. I don't like that show. I love that show. I and I I, I don't I don't I don't think ill of you for liking it. Like it's not like Rick and Morty where I think less of people who like that show. I don't care for Rick and Morty. I've tried and I I have friends who love it. I totally get why Mr. Meeseeks is hilarious, Mm -hmm. but that's like I think Rick and Morty falls in the same category for me as like the Big Bang Theory where it's such an indication of character that I don't like it. Like it's such a like being smart isn't the punchline. And it's just I don't know. I there was a there was an article that someone wrote or I think it was like a hot take tweet where someone was like South Park has damaged culture with like cynicism. 
And, like, a lot of people gave this person shit, but, like, I don't disagree. And I kind of feel that way about Rick and Morty, of, like, we we already have an issue in media with, like, this asshole ubermensch main character who doesn't face consequences for his actions. What, you mean Nietzsche? No, I'm just kidding. Right. Like, we we already have that guy too much in media, and I really don't want another show that elevates that guy in Rick and Morty. So, which also, I've had a great time having to, like, still continue to defend my Joker stance. Like, from the recent movie, yeah. the comics, everything. Well, because, like, everyone's like, well, it wasn't really, like, that bad. I'm like, but I don't retract my statement. Like, I'm sorry, I, I don't. Uh, to backtrack, I wrote a hot takey blog post about me not seeing uh, the most recent Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, like, on a moral imperative. And I really cited, like, violence and stuff like that. Um, that didn't happen, thank God. But with that, I've had, like, some slight pushback on, like, well, are you going to revise your statement? And it's like, no. Because here's the thing. I still don't think we need to elevate characters like this during this time. I'm willing to walk back the, like, people in the streets looting part, which I really don't think that I did, but sure, let's say that I did. At this point, after the guinea pig canceling, I don't know what I write anymore. (laughs) I I don't know what my own words are at this stage anymore. I'm just saying, once the cosplayer groups came for me, that was it. Anyway, um... So the tripart psyche, which we didn't talk about, uh, is basically the id, the ego, and the superego. The id is, like, your most base desires. The ego is the performative part of you that's, like, the middleman. And then the superego is... Superego is the middleman. Oh, I'm sorry. Superego is the middleman. Yeah. Ego is the higher... Yeah, which in this book, the id is Jack, the ego is meant to be Piggy, and the super ego is meant to be Ralph. Sure. So. Um, so that's all those things. However, if you're listening to the audiobook with uh, Golding, he flat out says, um, the only opinion that manages of the book is yours, not the teachers, not the authors, it's what the reader gets out of it. Which I think, to be fair, is not fair. Uh, I mean, I, have we talked about, like, reader response criticism a lot? Um, I don't, we've done some, but not. So here's the thing with reader response criticism. So reader response criticism is a theoretical lens that basically states that you can't separate yourself as reader from work. Okay, so I had to Google it, ego and superego, because I was petty. So the it is instinct, the ego is reality, the superego is morality. So I was not completely off. Hooray. I was petty. Um, so basically in that, whatever experiences you have in your personal life, you will project onto the work. And that's true with books, with movies, with anything. Um, I know my personal life, that is that of someone who lost parents young, who's uh, dealt with the socialization of being biologically female who's dealt with the socialization, so, socialization of being of color. All of that comes into everything that I read, which means that, like, when you guys hear this podcast or other podcast episodes and I have a very, very short temper when it comes to race and stuff, that's because I am projecting, in all fairness, rightfully, my experience onto the work. So it's, it's a vital part of literary criticism because you can never remove yourself as a reader. You can't. You... You're never reading anything in an echo chamber. 
which is why like the first question I had about this is would I survive this island scenario which the answer is no what I like too is that he had said um this is based on two pictures one of a little boy discovering he was on a coral island and stood on his head in delight and the other was the same little boy crying his heart out because he saw that people what were people like when they don't have law so he stole that he stole that from a book coral island there's a book coral island yeah he stole that he's a brom stoker thief brom stoker thief fan yes 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 it is um so this book is a robinson aid based off of um built after the whole like robinson caruso thing which is a book i never had to read because it sounds stupid I've never had to read it either. Um, but it's basically, it's a dude on an island who's doing shit. It's Which like, is based on a real dude who was Scottish. A Scotsman on an island? Is he okay? I mean, he got rescued and brought back. Okay. Okay. But... okay. I also feel like out of all the people, that would be fine. I feel like he'd be fine. Uh, so this is a, uh, what would you do if you were stuck on an island? Which is like a whole thing. So like, there's a bunch of books like that. Like The Tempest is one. Um, Coral Island, which is a book that uh, Golding stole essentially to make this like it's a whole thing I being a color and asthmatic have zero curiosity about what I would do on an island because I would be dead yeah I, I have no desire to go beyond an island none we have no listener questions outside of one from a listener that just asked why to which why Tori um literally it was something we had to read freshman year and I was like well I'm going to use this as an idea. And that was probably horrible. And then it somehow ended up being with the times. I've so, never had to read this book for school. I had to read it freshman year for English. Um, it's better than I remember it being because I actually read it this time. Um, Were my English teachers on crack? Like, I feel I like know. I've never had to. We had to read this and then we read a separate piece like right before it. So, um, but the book is still racist. It's still scary as fuck. So... So, there are some adaptations, but do you want to talk about Golding a little bit as a person? Yeah, I didn't actually write anything this time for this, because I, uh... I'm the Lord of the Flies. I have information on Golding. This is going to be bad, because I'm a little bit tipsy. <laughs> there is a lot of rum in this cup. There is a lot of rum. And we added juice. Could you imagine if I poured this straight? No, and, and please don't. Please I'm not. Don't. I'm not going to. Uh, I so, also ate like half a loaf of bread, so I think I'm okay now. I had to sneak to the kitchen to get more bread. Luckily, the kitchen is very close because I'm not in a sprawling house like Tori. Yeah. Um, it's a good size home. It's it's a good size home. It's a good size home. Uh, so Golding was actually a teacher, which I think is hilarious. And then he kind of got co-opted into World War II, where he served in the British Navy, which is why we're drinking grog. Because he was actually in the Navy. He participated in D-Day. Um, and did some cool stuff. And then he went back to teaching. Which he hated. Um, and he basically came up with this idea. Uh, for Lord of the Flies. After watching a bunch of his students. Which like John Green posits. I also posit. What the fuck were his kids like? <laughs> How? Dude I remember high school Spanish. I remember like. I evidently got the nickname Santa Victoria in the background because I was like the kid that wasn't messing around was like, listen, I'm here to learn Spanish, take some tests and leave. And the other kids were like causing a bunch of problems. Like they used to call my poor teacher Pato. They used to call her Duck, um, which was not fair. She was so nice. She was doing the best she could. I used to call my uh, college Latin teacher Rasputin. 
I mean, probably fair though, right? He had a scary hand. He had a scary, like, spindly claw hand. And it reminded me of the Rasputin in the Anastasia movie by Don Blue. I was going to say, immediately my brain goes, in the dark of the night, yeah, evil yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That, like that was Brother Terry, who is dead now. Um, he was a thousand years old. Maybe Brother Terry is, like, playing cards with Rasputin. I don't know. Is Rasputin in heaven? Is Father Terry in heaven? Uh, he's a brother. I hope he is. He's buried at St. Mary's. We have a cemetery. I know. I want to go there so bad. I anyway. can get you in. Um, I, I definitely can get you in. So, basically, his whole thing is drawn from his experience during World War II, which you can see a lot of, and from his experience as a teacher, where apparently he learned to hate children, just like I did. So I think when you talk about like authorial intent, you cannot separate that he is a literal war veteran during one of the worst times of human history. Yeah. And then he came back and taught children, which I guess was just as bad. Like, well, this is what I fought for. I'm going to go drink some grog. Well, and the whole idea that, like, we would immediately descend into nonsense. Because, like, and he men- he goes out of his way to mention, like, the British stuff. Because as far as he's concerned, like, any culture or country could have done a Hitler. Which, I mean, in our current times, I can understand yeah, what he's I feeling. wholeheartedly believe that anyone could do a Hitler. Just, you know, it hasn't fully happened. I mean, it yet. depends on if you control the media escaping from your country, Stalin. Uh, anyway he's not alive no Stalin is very dead I'm glad me too anyway so that's some on Golding Uh, the British exceptionalism in him drips heavy like honey and I hate it I I have no tolerance for it I'm sorry I just don't I don't know why you're apologizing like Story, tell me that my thoughts are valid for not liking this stuffy white man who's calling a bunch of people savages. Your thoughts are valid. Thank you. Okay, so normally I'm way more involved in the outline. I did not do a whole lot this week. I'm sorry. We've been in a pandemic, Victoria. (laughs) Still, I need to be the best I can be. Can I tell you my favorite response to issues now has been, we have no cats, Kathleen? (laughs) What? So... Frederick Knudsen, who did that hurdy-gurdy video that I showed you, he has this whole series called Down the Rabbit Hole. Yeah. And he did one on this Baltimore cat cafe called Purr Cafe, which is a phenomenal descent into one woman's madness. So it's this woman who is insane who was trying to open up a cat cafe. And basically, there was one time where she had gone through this whole thing with one of her associates. And they're, like, trying to really press for the open, and it's not working out. And the associate's like, well, what's going on? And the owner's response is, we have no cats, Kathleen. <laughs> so, like, we can't open a cat cafe. So, like, that's become, like, one of my everything is on fire responses. There are no cats, It's like, Kathleen. we have no cats, Kathleen. <laughs> you have to watch that video. Down the rabbit hole. If you ever want to hate and love humanity simultaneously, I think Down the Rabbit Hole by Frederick Knudsen is amazing. Oh, it is. Because you saw the hurdy-gurdy video. I did. Which is my fault. There's hurdy-gurdy music. <laughs> so, um, as far as resources, we kind of stuck to the, the pros this week. Crash uh, course! Crash course, Wikipedia, and then Sparknotes. Sparknotes are great. You guys saved me during AP English when I was a kid. I just read the book! <laughs> I mean, I did too, but like... 
I think I think we've talked about this. I think anytime you have to read something under duress, you just don't retain things. Right. Like you just don't. So like I remember so my auntie when I was going through AP English, I think she had a great approach to it. We would do flashcards, we would do spark notes, we'd watch a movie and I'd read the book. So it was really, really labor intensive, but it helped me because I'm apparently a very visual learner. So it was nice to be able to watch the movie, not because I'm dumb, but because I get bored easily. So it was good to read the book and then have it done more vividly, because especially if it's not interesting to me, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. If I'm interested, I can paint a tapestry myself, hence why I've been writing fan fiction since I was 12. But if it's not interesting to me, I can't really wrap my head around it. So it was great to like watch like Red Expectations in the movie or like, oh God, what was it? The Crucible. The Crucible is one that I had to read as a youth, which is a terrible book for children to read. It's pretty intense. Why would they have... Why would... Why? We had to read it in high school, too. Oh, God. We'll have to read that one for the podcast, I just realized. Yep. And then we get to talk about um, um, blackballing and all sorts of stuff. Have we already talked about blackballing? Well, we get to go farther into the McCarthy era. Oh. Well, that's as fun as two biological females. So, our next book... I think we're reading Camus. Yeah, we are reading Camus. We're reading something Camus. Have we decided... We're trying to decide between right now between The Stranger and The Plague. Both seem good. If you have a preference, uh, let us know. And we yes, may please. listen to you. Yes. Yes. We may listen to you. To be determined. To be determined. Um, so, as mentioned, as far as our live show goes, uh, we will see. We're, we are monitoring the situation as everyone else is. Um, we would definitely like for the show to go on, but we're in a literal goddamn pandemic, so... Mm-hmm. And we'll um we'll share more as we get closer. We'll let you know if it's canceled. We'll let you know if it's on. You know, the usual. Yeah. Um. If anything, if the show does go on, we might just be weird about hugs because, as mentioned, I'm a literal asthmatic and I would like to not get the thing. I mean, I could get you a hazmat suit. But then you can't see my costume. That's true. We could decorate the outside of your hazmat suit. <gasps> rhinestone hazmat suit. That's what I'm wearing for the pageant. Like a rhinestone has mad. Anyway, okay. Uh, you can find us on social media at Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook, mm-hmm. Unfortunately RR on Twitter, Unfortunately Required on Instagram, Unfortunately Required Reading.com. You can email us at Unfortunately Required Reading at gmail.com. You can visit us at anchor.fm slash Unfortunately Required Reading and donate to us if you'd like. On our website, we also have our little like wish list thing for like cool fans and things like that. Yes, even though apparently heat is not a problem in my apartment because I let the air conditioner run with a wild and reckless abandon. No, it was awesome. Um, this is a scary time, and I'm empathetic to that, even though I am a little bit rum drunk. But um, please know that we're thinking about all of you. Good night and good luck, and now go read a book. <laughs>